0: Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV Podcast. For more information, go to www.TheVineChurchLV.com. Good morning, guys. It's good to see all y'all. How are you guys doing today? It's what? It's about what I expected. Um, The woos. We're here for the woos. Uh, We're in it. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm actually... I'm really excited uh, for this, this series because we're kicking it off, so I figure we can talk about it for just a second. Um, I was praying between a couple things, and then you guys were, those of you who were here last week, uh, you saw that Pastor Zach, uh, he kicked the series off. And so I was like, well, we'll just keep riding that gravy train because it's a good one to ride. Um, and so I feel like we, we when, I, when I took over and really started doing what we're doing, we spent time talking about how we should spend our lives our lives daily. Uh, it was a foundational thing, five weeks, which by the way, just because we're not talking about it anymore, doesn't mean that we shouldn't daily be in community, we shouldn't daily be praying, we shouldn't daily be evangelizing, we shouldn't, you know, daily be in awe of our God, you know, those messages, I forget the fifth one, that's not good, uh, off the top of my head, worship, right, so we should be worshiping and going before our God uh, every day, and and we, we can't lose sight of that, and then so when we shifted into how we should live our lives daily, uh, we, we started talking about uh, some of the things in this church that maybe maybe we've believed wrong or we thought wrong and that, that doctrine can get in the way of our relationship with God. And so we spent time talking about it because let's face it, that's really important. Um, if, if There are many religions in this world with people who genuinely believe what they're doing is right. And for those of us who are a part of the Christian worldview, we, we do necessarily believe that they're they're wrong. Right? And so we know that, that and as unfortunate as that is, what that means is you can believe something so fully that it stops you from living the truth. And that, that isn't just a false religion thing. That can be some bad, wow, that could be some bad doctrine that gets in the way of us and God, just like any other religion. It can happen in here, and we can create false religions within Christianity. And history tells us That happens a lot. Actually, the classic definition for a cult is any religion that offshoots from the Bible. Because cults used to be exclusively a Bible thing in America. And so that was the classic definition of the word cult. Because it can get like that and it can become so bad that we stop looking at God and we start looking at people or certain doctrines as our savior. And really, it's just. It's just Jesus. Amen. Uh, But, you know, when you beat on someone for four weeks of like, hey, this doctrine sucks, and this doctrine sucks, like, it it never hurts to take a moment and breathe and go, okay, but like, but God loves you. (laughs) You know, and so I want to spend the next eight weeks uh, talking about. Who you are in God. Because I think oftentimes when people struggle or they fall apart, um, you look at the root of the issue and you go, man, why do they keep falling back into the sin? And 99 times out of 100, my experience has been they don't know who they are in Christ. And so people preach identity messages and they say, you got to know who you are in God and you got to, and then, but they don't tell you (laughs) who you are in God. They just say, you got to know who you are in God. And so we're going to spend eight weeks finding the verses in the Bible where Paul or Jesus or James or Peter, thank you. I forgot him. He's like my favorite. How did I forget him? Or, or Joel. I don't know why Joel, he's not even in this. Um, you know, any Bible character when they say you are blank. And so we're going to be specific verses. We see verses where it says that you are a child of God. And you are the bride of Christ. And you are a saint. And you are the head and not the tail. And the problem is is that if we take those individually, we get an incomplete picture of our identity in Christ. So we have to spend time and understand all of them and know that they're not mutually exclusive. I'm not a son, so therefore not a in Christ, because they all have different. And I'm not a son, so therefore not a friend. I'm actually a son and a bride and a friend in Christ, because they all have different implications to our theology. So we're going to spend eight weeks talking about it. Um, Now, very excited. I spent time, I spent hours kind of frustratingly because of what happened, hours getting this message series ready, just kind of really plotting out how it was going to go, going through all the verses in the Bible where God says you are blank, and going, okay, cool, so we're that, and we're that, and, and we've, I figured out that if I started this week and we didn't miss any Sundays, um, I would get done in that series in just under a two-year mark from now. And so that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> so, uh, so, what I really did is, I really had so my like, guys, two years, that's like, because I found like a hundred and something verses. 52 verses in a year, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so, uh, fifty, yeah, right. If, if we just ignored them all and we just kept pushing. Uh, so I really brought it down because a lot of them just repeated the same thing. And so we'll be hitting themes uh, for eight weeks, right? Just giving you a heads up on what we're about to experience. Well, we, I say we, but it won't just be me preaching. Uh, I like to hand the buck off all the time. It makes me happy. And that will be happening in this service, right? So I hope you guys are excited. Uh, so after this eight-week series, the goal will be you got to know who you are in Christ. And then you can give me your laundry list of who you are in Christ and what that means practically in your prayer life, in your interaction life, how you deal with issues and storms and problems and circumstances, and what exactly the verses are that we can hold on to when things start to fall apart. Amen? So I'm really pumped about that. Uh, So today we're going to talk about Beloved. Spoiler. Uh, Today we're going to talk about Beloved, and the reason why I wanted to begin with Beloved is because I think many people, when they read the Bible they think only Jesus is the beloved of the Father because God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I heard a preacher preaching recently, and he said that uh, we'll never know who we are in Christ unless we embrace beloved identity. And as they began to look into the topic of beloved, I began to realize that beloved's actually the precursor to the rest of them because we're not a son of God. We're a beloved son of God. We're not the bride. We're the beloved bride, right? We're, you know. And so the verses have a ton of beloved... You're the beloved of God, and so therefore you're his child, and you're beloved of God, and so therefore you're his friend. And so know that for the rest of these weeks, beloved's always kind of hanging over them all, right? And so I want to spend time and say, what is the beloved of God, and what does that really mean? So if you guys are excited, give me a shout. Uh, this has been a quiet Sunday, and I don't do well on quiet Sundays because I'm loud, and it makes me fall out of place if you guys aren't loud with me. Uh, so give God a shout for me. Yeah. We're going to wake up. I will make you do jumping jacks. I know most of you well enough, and the few that I don't, I'll let you sit, but the rest of you, I'll make you do jumping jacks, and we will. We'll get this party started. Amen. Um, so just in case you don't know me, I'm Pastor Wes. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vine Church, soon to be the Boulevard Church, and my voice is cracked three times in this intro, and that's going to be an exciting thing. Um, they keep telling me, like, maybe next year you'll get through the puberty voice thing, and I'm like, well, I'm 25, about to have a kid, and, and I don't know when this is going to stop. Like, I'm going to be really mad when, like, my son's voice doesn't crack anymore, because it's a boy, by the way. When my son's voice doesn't crack anymore, but mine still does, that's going to be frustrating. But it's okay, because God is good, and to God be the glory. Um, I notice that whenever people don't know me, and they're prophets from somewhere else, like, you know, like the prophets, uh, there's, there's prophets... And then there's prophets, and I always walk up, and I'll know if it's real or not because they'll go, they'll just say something about my voice. God's given you that voice so that people will remember the words you say. That has not been my experience. God has given you that voice because you'll be unique, and people will hear you over the crowd. None of y'all ever hear me over the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not, that's so I look, and I'm like, and someone straight said, when you walk into your anointing, your voice will change, and I was offended by that one. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking to you about this. This is like, why pay for counseling, where I can just talk to you guys? You know what I'm saying? And that's just where we're at in this. Uh, so welcome to, uh, that's actually, oh, yes, please, you're the best. Everyone give a round of applause for Deacon Chat. <laughs> I, I took it excitedly, but I'll probably never open it. But like, I like to know it's there. Um, it's just it's the safety net of knowing that I can take a drink, and my voice will still crack anyway. Um, <laughs> thank thank you guys for laughing. You guys suck, um, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, I don't think we're in the uh, we're in the actual recording yet, so you can't prove it. Uh, and if we are, we'll cut it, and then you won't be able to prove it. Uh, <laughs> no but I love you guys I'm, I'm really excited uh, a few things I want to say before I really jump into this uh, one uh, do, do you see how awesome this graphic is like we don't deserve it and then you know, we get it all the time uh, so give a round of applause for Amelia who's going to stand up right now I don't see her and then Ellie right there my girl I don't know who makes what stand up everyone needs to know they hide in the back but they do so much for the church um So, I I always thought Amelia made all of them. And then, like, yesterday I saw, oh, Ellie made this. And I was like, oh, no, I've been giving Amelia all the credit. Uh, So, just in general, it's both of them. Like, thank you guys for all that you do. You make me look good. I had a friend text me recently and go, you know, I've been seeing you're good, and on Facebook, and I didn't know you were such a good preacher, and I'm like, I'm not. They just find the moment and make me look good, and that's awesome. And so, like, people who come from far someday to come in and hear me preach, are gonna be let down, but those, those sermon clips are fire, and so I appreciate it. I love you guys. Christina heads the helm on that. I'm a big fan of how it all goes down. I appreciate all of you uh, very, very much. And, uh, Aaron, right here, who leads worship for us. Um, He's he's so excited. Don't get too excited. It's it's, it's going in a weird direction right now. Um, Last week, if you were here, Pastor Zach called up Aaron and prayed over him and anointed him, and it's so awesome because I think for the longest time only, like, false prophets came to you, (laughs) you know, and seeing a recent influx of people who genuinely believe in you, and who want nothing from you than just to see you succeed. That's been really good to see. Um, I see a freedom on you that I've never seen before, and I really appreciate it. But uh, I think in the topic, as I'm beginning to study beloved and beginning to realize our place and our position with God, I recognize, and something we all know, but like we don't think about very often, is that God loves the people behind the scenes just as much as the people in the front. And your thought would be, well, Aaron wasn't behind the scenes at all. That's why I said it's going in a weird direction. Uh, Marzette, um, Aaron has grown in a way I have never seen him grown in the entirety of my life. And in the process, I've seen you step back, not from your call with God, but going behind the scenes so that he can have more time in front of the scenes. And half of his success is because of you saying yes to that. Uh, It's really like I want I want Christina will you lay hands on her I actually want to pray for you because you are noticed and you've been on my heart a lot lately because I think the enemy is trying to convince you that you don't deserve to be up here anymore but no God's putting your husband through a season you're the backbone of that season because you're saying yes to the nitty-gritty so dear Lord in heaven we lift up Marzette God we thank you for her call God we thank you for her strength to stand up as a mother to raise two children Father God to allow our church to be blessed with the the sound that comes from her husband, Father God. I thank you that you'll anoint her. I thank you that she is the head and in fact not the tail. I thank you that she's not forgotten, that she's beloved and she's looked to, Lord, and that her plan and her call is not to be hidden forever. So that I pray you teach her to enjoy the behind the scenes, God. I pray that she'd find pleasure in it, Lord, for she knows there's something beautiful coming her way soon. And in Jesus' name I say, Amen. And there's many others of you, he just put her on my heart recently, who give, give, give right behind the scenes so someone else can look good. And I appreciate that. Um, I love you guys. Uh, Next month in August, I'll give you an exact date because I forgot it, but it's in my phone. Uh, We're having a volunteer night. And those of you who volunteer or you are married to a volunteer, uh, you're welcome to that. It's just gonna be a thank you night. We're gonna play games, we're gonna hang out, we're gonna do like a Bible thing. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna break ministries into groups and the ministries are going to compete with each other, and the winner's going to get a prize. So we're going to team build. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm really excited uh, for that. And I'll give you that date uh, next week, probably. Uh, But just know that we're grateful for you guys in this church. When it grows and when it goes big, it's only going to be because of the volunteers and their heart for this ministry. but really, like, we're all volunteers, but, you know, like, like, all of us, like, we ain't got people who's, like, running on staff right now. Um, but I, I really am grateful for all of you. Uh, so come ready for that. We just want to tell you thank you. Amen. And, and I'm telling you guys so much in advance because if you're not involved in a ministry and you volunteer in the next couple weeks, you can still come. Uh, so, and I know there's a lot of ministries that need it, so you are welcome and invited. Anyway, what's I talking about? Beloved, right? Uh, Jesus loves you all. He appreciates all of you all, and I intend to stop this message like 10 more times because really what I felt in the studying and the preparation for this message was just an overwhelming love for the people, and you guys... Um, and I, I recently heard a man talking, it was actually Pastor Zach, so I don't know why I say man, you know him. Um, and he was saying that he believes the future of the church will be less preaching time and more groups and community time. And I really do believe that as well. Uh, so pray for us as we begin our transitions, because I, I really am looking more towards us as a community to be the centerfold of the Sunday services and not a show or anything like that, but then how do we still facilitate the word of God being preached? All right? so just pray for us during that season. I let you guys know because, like, these aren't, things aren't secrets. Like, just pray for the church. I'm excited for everything that God is doing. Uh, so with that being said, uh, just look to your neighbor and say, you're beloved by God. Look to your least favorite neighbor and tell that guy or girl you're beloved by God. <laughs> look to the one you didn't look to and you didn't like someone, and you know someone in this room in that moment. That's why I'm so afraid of this moment, right? Because you say, "Oh, look to your neighbor, and see you're beloved by God." And one person will look this way, and the other person will look this way, and be like, "Oh, I guess not. Oh, guess not." And then like that happens, and it's like you're beloved too. <laughs> oh, I love you. Uh, I'll tell you, you're beloved by God. But just one more time, look to each other and just have a conversation. Tell them that you're grateful for. Them uh, tell them what you mean to them, give them $20 from your pocket. Um, <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, just, just give your neighbor a $20 bill. Um, the funny thing is that if everyone did that, nothing would change, um, <laughs> you know. Like, it's just, it's just the process of giving, um, <laughs> bro. You've been given more than 20s, you're fair. Like, like, Looking over to your wife like she takes the whole thing. Like, oh, give your wife a twenty dollar bill. I don't even have money in my wallet. She takes it. Um, yeah. At least that's my experience. She deserves it. She's hot. Like, she's allowed to do that. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna preach. That's what we're here for, right? Yeah. So now we can start the message now. And thus the Lord. Now, you know what I'm saying? Like, just start off really epic. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just excited. <laughs> and when I get excited, I just blabber for a little bit, and then you guys have to deal with it. It's just a—it's a cycle. Um, no, no. Um, all right. Uh, so we're going to turn to Matthew <laughs> chapter three, and we're just going to get this party started. The message starts now, by the way. Matthew, I'll even do the cut. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter 3. And today we're going to talk about being beloved of God. All right, so Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. And if you guys want to read out loud, please don't. It gets really chaotic, but uh, you can look up here and read. Uh, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And I would love a timer right now. You can start it at 45. Um, And John tried to prevent him. Y'all ever tried to prevent Jesus from doing something? It's weird. I have. Like, it's the worst. Like, like someone, how oh, can I give you 20 bucks? You're like, no. And it's like, but God, like, told them, and you're just like, no, God. And so we see John telling Jesus no, and I find that interesting, uh, but I need to be baptized by you. And most people would look at that and say, yeah, John, you're right, but the problem is Jesus told him to do something, right? And so sometimes we feel unworthy, for the call God gives us, and so we're we're afraid to step into the call, right? And so how often do preachers tell you you don't have, like, God doesn't prepare you and put you in the call. He puts you in the call and prepares you in the season. Why? Because then you'll lean on him the entire time through, and we see John in a situation immediately where Jesus, God, what would you do if you're in your just bath? Uh, you're at the pool, and God shows up and goes, hey, baptize me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and none of us get to experience it. But John did. And it's like, yo, what? <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, I can't. And he's like, are you telling God no? If God calls you to do something, that means you're worthy of the call. It's not the message I'm preaching today. I just figured we could talk about it for a second. And he says, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Go evangelize to that person. Well, God God can talk to them. But you got to do it. (laughs) Right? Why are you coming to me? I need this. Go pray for that person. No, why would I pray for that person? I need prayer. Go preach to that person. Why would I preach? I need a sermon right now. Right? It's a very real situation that we all experience, and we read John doing it, and we're like, oh, yeah, how holy of John. No, no. Amen? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. I thought Jesus was righteous. He is. What's he doing this for? Us. Right? Baptism represents salvation. Jesus doesn't need to be saved. But we do. So he takes the step. And the Holy Spirit coming and anointing him. He's God he could have already been anointed. Why did he wait for the process? Because we have to go through the process, right? But Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then then he allowed him. That's some gall. <laughs> and then John was like, All right, Jesus, I will let you be anointed by me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a weird... When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. So if the pattern is he got baptized for me and he got anointed for me and the heavens were open for him, is that also then for me? And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And I love... The book of John says, and it remained. And that's so beautiful, because in the Old Testament, before Jesus showed up, people got anointed by God for a situation and for a moment, and then God would leave after the situation and the moment. But Jesus is experiencing, the first, the first person to experience, and thus he remained. And then now when we get saved in Jesus Christ, and thus he remains. And so if you look at those crazy old Testament moments where God showed up and he moved real big, if that is the sign of the Holy Spirit being present, then does that mean that we should regularly walk in those moments? Because God doesn't live outside of those moments. Because wherever God is, is supernatural, because he is supernatural. So if I have supernatural on me, in me, flowing through me, because Jesus gave me the right of the Holy Spirit to come upon me, should that not change my day-to-day and my moment-to-moment? Guys, I have been born again and filled with a supernatural, filled with something above it. Nature. So everything going on on this earth, I am filled with something above it. Amen. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. So if everything up to this moment was to represent us, then does beloved son represent us? There are some messianic prophecies being fulfilled here, that's for sure. Uh, But we're going to say affirmative yes, and I got a verse for it, and we'll get to it. Uh, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All of you guys say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Let's get ready. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about belovedness. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray that you would anoint them, God. Prepare our hearts, God, to receive your word today, Father God. God, I pray that you would, you would prepare my lips and my tongue to speak only what it is that you've called me to speak. God, I come against and I pray against anything that I would say that is extra to what you've asked me to say or contrary to what you've asked me to say, God. that I pray I'd be led by you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this building. We thank you for this church. We thank you for these people, God, and we thank you that you love us. You have called us beloved and that, God, we are chosen by you. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. I found, you see that? He's switching. I'm switching the tones now. Um, I found something that I think might very well be the greatest drug to an adult, and it's not coffee. (laughs) Yeah, because it is a drug. Um, I found what might very well be the greatest drug in my life, right? And then it's like, oh, he's going to say Jesus. No, no, ready, ready. And and many of you are going to understand and agree with this, and some of you are going to disagree. But the greatest drug to any adult, from my experience, is canceled plans. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? Like, I had something to do, and then someone canceled. And they're like, I'm so sorry. And you're like, man, it's cool. I'll pray for you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm a little upset. but I, And they're like, I dance through my house. And guys, I love naps. And so, like, anytime someone cancels a plan with me, it's immediately nap time. Like, that isn't me. I could write a sermon. I could go pray. I could read a book. I could study a book. I nap every time, don't I? Yes. I go right on the couch, turn on my PlayStation 4. I don't play it. I put on Hulu or Netflix. Come on, come down, guys. <laughs> and whatever I'm watching, I just fall asleep. I love when plans get canceled, right? And I think many of you in this room actually agree with that because there's like something weird like as an adult when like when someone asks you like, oh, because we're always so busy, right? And I never believed it. I was like, why don't people have more time? And now I'm an adult and I'm like, dude, I don't have time. And people are like, you never talk to me. And I'm like, I talked to you last week. Like, why oh, isn't that enough? And so like, <laughs> and so <laughs> but, but that's like real. And so then when I have to cancel on someone, then I have to make it up to them, right? But when they cancel on me, I'm clean. I'm good. And it's nap time. Right? It's very exciting. It's probably, like, it's my favorite part of the week. And, like, it's probably, like, not good for something for me to say. It's my favorite part of the week is when inevitably someone, and I'll make plans all week, and I'm like, I respect my time, guys. And then they're like, yeah, we'll respect your time. And it's like, oh, man, I have to change last second. I was like, I'll try to pencil you in. Can you do it in an hour? No, it's going to cut the nap time that you just gave me. It's going to cut into that. So now I can't, right? And it's a beautiful, a beautiful moment. It's funny because there are some of you who love it. And there are some of you who hate when plans get canceled on you. And, and I always wondered why. Because, like, I love it. She gets hurt. Right? So if you have to cancel either on me and my wife cancel on me, I'm going to nap and she'll, be, she'll feel loved. Right? But, like, if you cancel on her and come to me, for one, I'm mad at you because you, you just got in the way of of nap time, and then now you hurt my life feelings, and so now we're not in a good situation together at all, and that's just like real life, and we have to embrace that fact. So I wondered why, and I realized something. Uh, there are three types of people. Two of them are relevant, but then the third one's gonna become relevant. The first is high-maintenance people. And hey, by the way, <laughs> whatever you are, there's no knock. Like, like, high maintenance people hate low maintenance people, and low maintenance people hate high maintenance people, right? And, and, and then there's the high maintenance people, right? Like, I got a low maintenance people, you're the ones who love when plans get canceled because it doesn't hurt your feelings, right? Because you don't feel like my friend hates me now. You feel like I just got a nap. But the high-maintenance people, who you got to tell every other day, I love you still. I'm, I just feel so distant, dude. Like, you talked to me on the phone, like, two hours ago. How are we distant, right? And so, like, my wife and I will hang out all night. I'll lay in bed and open my book, and she'll go, I just feel like we don't talk enough. And I'm like, yo, we just talked for, like, three hours. And, like, it's mind-blowing, right? And, like, with that, that's, like, real life. And then I'll look at her. Anyway, um, and, and so, so thank you, Well, I appreciate the laugh. Um, so the, the high-maintenance person needs attention, needs love, needs affection regularly. And the low-maintenance friend needs you to leave them alone regularly. <laughs> right? And then there's the medium person, and everyone thinks they're medium, but rarely are people medium. They're the people that it's like, listen, like, I have a high-maintenance friend. His name's Jared. And if we talk once, sorry, twice in a year, he's like, dude, you're still my best friend. I love you. He'll call me like once every six months. And be like, he's like, bro, I love you. What? Jared's low maintenance. Did I say hi? He's low. Right? He's so like, seriously, twice a year, as long as we talk, he's good. Right? And I'll be like, bro, I love you. You live in California. And like, but every, he's the yeah, high maintenance, low maintenance person is that kind of person when you talk to them. It's as if time didn't pass. Because they're not mad at you, right? The low-maintenance person, the reason why it feels like time passed because they're like, if you don't love me, I don't love you then, right? And then they're like their diary because that's what low-maintenance people do. Um, <laughs> and then they, they subtweet about you. Like, if you don't have time for the people, then you're <laughs> it's like low-maintenance or high-maintenance. Why am I flipping these? You're high-maintenance, and I love you. You know, And like, like, there are people, and, and I've talked to them and got like so they wouldn't be offended before. I, I have someone in this church who I love, who calls me three times a day. So I answer one of them, because I'm media maintenance, um, <laughs> right? And, but, but then there's other people who won't talk to me at all until the world is falling apart. And I'm like, how did we get here? Like, how are we here right now? Like the last time I talked, like, like you literally prayed and like, like person's leg is grew back. And then now like everything's falling apart and you wanna die, I'm like, how do we get here? So I mean, there, there is some pros and cons to both, right? but I'm medium. If you hit me up like once a month, once every two months to say, hey, love you, appreciate you, I'm like, oh, we're good, right? <laughs> and then I say, oh, you too, man. And the high maintenance person goes, yeah. And the low maintenance person goes, you too, right? Um, and so, but here's the thing, growing up my entire life, I was always that way. I never, I never needed a lot of time to feel loved. They say that the love, there are love languages, and, and mine is not time, <laughs> right? There, there's acts of service. There's words of affirmation. There's time, service. Did I say service Ready? Gifts. And what? <laughs> and touch. And so, like, they say you have a top two or a top three, and, like, you not to make anyone feel weird, but, like, my top three are all touch. That's not true. So it's touch, words of affirmation. And then touch me again, and so um, <laughs> stole that joke, but it's a good one. Uh, yeah. and, and so like, so like, I'm I'm not that way, and I don't really need that. And so my entire life, all my high maintenance friends loved me, and all my low maintenance friends would be like, "Dude, you're such a terrible friend." And that happened. And, and so like, I would. You all know, like we defined terms in the beginning. Just come with me, um, <laughs> on this adventure, because apparently I'm flipping them up. Flipping him around, fl- flipping him. Um, yeah, this, this, this whole operation was my idea. That's true. Um, and so, so now because he made the joke, my very high maintenance friend is Thomas. <laughs> 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 you know, ever. You know, ever since, ever since he had a kid, he's gone to like medium in the low high. It's so like medium high. He's still high, but he's medium. Um, He's high-maintenance. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's okay. I actually really appreciate it because he's also, because he's high-maintenance, he'll also tell me more than anyone how awesome I am. And I am words of affirmation. So it feels awesome, right? That and my wife, the two people, like, like t- Thomas always says, my mom says I'm handsome. Well, Thomas and my wife always tell me I'm handsome. And, you know, that's all I need. They tell me it all the time. Uh, <laughs> I'll look at me and go, you're so handsome. I'll be like, you're hot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what she's looking for, but it's what she got. And then... Um, where were we at? No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, <laughs> but so I'm very low maintenance, right? Moral of the story, that, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Um, it doesn't bother me uh, if you guys don't talk to me for a month. Um, I sleep just fine, but maybe after like four or five months, I'm like, oh man, are they okay? And, but like the problem is because I'm medium maintenance, I won't have noticed for that entire time, and it's not because I don't care about you. It's just that I'm not like the high maintenance person. But, but, but something, something happened in my life. I almost tripped on this pen. Your plan would have been successful. Um, <laughs> something happened in my life. And, and you know, I, in high school, I did the high school thing. I, I dated around, and it never really worked out because for some reason high school girls are always really high maintenance, and, and so is she. Um, and, and so, but it would always annoy me. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like the whole high-maintenance thing. And I wouldn't enjoy it very much. And then we started dating for a while. And we fell in love when I proposed to her. And, and then we got married. And so we started sleeping in the same bed. Shout out to the bed, the bedroom, the house itself, the ring, the marriage. Uh, and so we're, and then one day something happened. She she went on a trip and I couldn't sleep. And I was like, "Wait a second. I don't need this. I'm good." And I, like, cried for, like, three days, and then she came home, and I was like, where were you? And, like, like, last night, she stayed later at the baby reveal, and I went home, and, like, it was, like, nine, and I was like, all right, well, okay, come home now. Like, you know, like, I'm done you not being here. It's not working out. Um, and, and, and so I don't know. She, she tricked me, and I don't know how it happened, and I'm working on how it happened because it's a trap, and I fell for it. And, and see, I'm still really low maintenance, but with her, I'm suddenly high maintenance, right? And so, and so things shifted, and so when all y'all text me once in a three-month period, we're good. If, if I go a few hours, I'm sad. And it's a trap, and no one warned me. And many of you knew me during the process, and you didn't warn me. And I remember. Um, but, <laughs> but what happened was, as I fell in love and as she became my beloved, uh, my process and my thought process on the world and people and interactions, it actually changed because of the entrance of she whom my heart desired, right? And, And the thing about beloved is many of us lived a life where maybe we were hurt or maybe we were in pain but at the end of the day, we didn't, maybe we didn't think about God or we'll go long periods of time without God or, or, or maybe we still do that. Well, We can go weeks without praying and our life may suck, but we don't go, wow, it's probably because I'm not with God. We actually just have gotten used to not being near him. And so if being someone being beloved is the process that leads me closer and wanting more time with them, then when I don't want time with them, it lets my heart know that it's not in the right place with that person. And there's other people, you high-maintenance people, who if you don't have every second of every day, you're insecure about it. And that's also a beloved issue because then it's a selfish love that wants instead of a humble love that gives, right? And so many of us, if God doesn't show up right now in our circumstance, where is he? Well, he's faithful and he's with us but some of you go through your storm and at the end of it you go, thank you God for taking me through it. And it's like, y'all didn't talk the whole time. You took you through it. And both are problems and both are a beloved identity issue right? Um, And so I want to say real quick as we dive into our text and as we talk, if you go across the Bible, there are three major words for beloved. And we're going to dive in and talk about all three of them today. Um, Two of them are in the Hebrew and one is in the Greek. And these are the three most common times you'll ever see beloved in all the Bible. In the Old Testament, the word beloved is used 42 times. These two words together are used 42 times and 26 of them or in the Song of Solomon. So if you wanna get a better look on everything I'm preaching about today, go read Song of Solomon. But I'm not married. Go read Song of Solomon. But, but, but I'm going to struggle. The Bible is not there to make you fall. The Bible's there to show you how much God loves you. Go read Song of Solomon. If you want a deeper insight into everything I'm going to talk about today, that is the book of the beloved. More than half of the times the, in the Bible, the word beloved is used in the Old Testament. More than half is in one book that's, what, six chapters long? There are books in the Bible that are over a 100 chapters long. And so in these six little things, this little mushed thing in the corner, just beloved 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 and the two big words for beloved first and it's so weird it's a-h-e-b-h i'm gonna try to pronounce it but if you want to take notes a-h-b-e-h and it's like uh-huh. and like i listened to the person say it on the like the the strongs and i was listening and i was like i i can't do it and i tried and all i heard was the sound i make when i'm clearing my throat over and over again. It's like, and I'm like, I I don't don't understand. But here's the problem. It means to long for or to breathe for. And it's like, what a beautiful poetic word that in our language just does not translate well. It's like, baby, you're my, I breathe for you, I long for you, I for you. Right? Like it ruins the moment, but it's the same word, right? (laughs) but, But so... So it means to breathe or to long. And how many of y'all know that in the Bible... There are Bibles for Hebrew people that are written, and they're Hebrew in the New Testament as well, because they read Hebrew, just like, you know, we have English ones, and there are Greek Bibles that are Greek the whole way through, because the person's Greek, and they read Greek, and so when you get to the word in the Old Testament, and I, I don't mean to be flip it towards their language or be disrespectful, I just can't pronounce it, and so, but I'm gonna just clear my throat every time I have to say it, <laughs> and, um, if you go into the Old Testament and you read that word for beloved, you know what it translates to? A derivative of agape. So, this word for beloved is agape. And see, I find that really interesting because those of you who know what agape means, you're like, whoa. And those of you who don't, you're like, oh, like, oh how cool because you don't know what I just said. Uh, so in the Greek, there are multiple words for love in the Bible. So in the English language, there's only three. It's love, cherish, and adore. Those are the three la- words that mean love in our language. Uh, but then they have multiple, but there's four majors, and at the top, of that love spectrum is the word agape. And so what many Christians will tell you is, agape is a God love. Only God can give it. It is a God love. But the word agape is used in Greek now. So what does it mean to the people speaking it? Now, I do agree from a Christian context, it only means a God love. But here's what it actually translates to. It's a love that gives worth by nature of the giver. What does that mean? that means it's kind of like the concept of an heirloom or a sentimentality where this thing has worth because i love it right it doesn't have worth because it's worth something it has worth because i have history and i love it right and so pastor zach this last weekend said something really profound. He said the cross didn't make us valuable. The cross proved we were valuable. And that's 100% true. Because what makes us valuable is the fact that we're the beloved of God. And so actually it's God's love towards us that makes us valuable and it's his love that drew him to the cross. right? And so what makes us valuable in this world and before the eyes of our God and in the spectrum of eternity, why are we more important than animals? Why are we more important to God than angels? Why are we more important to him than demons? to anything he's ever created. Why are we the apple of his eye? Because it's us that he adores. It's us that he longs for. And it's us that he breathes for. Can I get a shout out to the gospel? He drew breath for us. And this is an Old Testament word saying to draw breath. It was screaming the gospel. And so when this woman says, I am the beloved's and the beloved's is mine, it's I'm going to breathe for you so you can breathe for me. And what's happening? It's the gospel. Jesus 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 died for us, and on that cross, he breathed out my last breath, not his, because he gave me his breath, and I die to myself, and I live a life in Christ. Agape. It's such a beautiful word. (laughs) I, I really think it's important that you write that. Being beloved makes me valuable. You are the beloved of God and so therefore, by necessity of the word beloved, you are valuable and you are significant and you are important to your God. Which again is why it's important that we know this because if I'm a child of God, well there are many children that are misused and abused and hurt, but if I'm a beloved child, see how it holds that word strong? And people say, oh, he's, he's a beloved and adoring father, but my dad was terrible, so I can't see God like that. No, no, you're right, maybe, but, but now you have to look at the word beloved and see that your definition was wrong, because just because you weren't beloved by a human person doesn't mean that you're not beloved of God. How many of you in this room know a girl who dated some joker who doesn't care about her, and she's beautiful, and she's wonderful, and she's amazing, and you know a guy who would have taken care of her and loved her and poured out for her, but she didn't know her worth, so she settled for less. That is many Christians struggle with God in a nutshell. I don't know my worth before him, so I settle for a lesser level of God. Listen, when I go into my sacred place, God shows up. I don't settle for less because I don't have to because I'm beloved of him and he freely gave me that. Amen. But why? Why did he pick me? God made all of creation. And then he took the dust and he breathed into it, and he poured on his image. Why do we like our kids more than other people's kids? Because they look, they look like us. They're, yeah, they're, you ever met that person who really thinks their baby's beautiful and you think it's just the ugliest thing ever? <laughs> now, we can't admit it, but we all know it's happened, right? Because there's something, there's an affection you have towards something that has your image, on it. And in the Bible, Rabbi Zachariah says this a a lot, and it's probably one of my favorite things he ever says, so totally stealing it, but I'm going to bounce off it and make it my own thing. Um, In the Bible, there's a man who walks up to Jesus, and he says, should I pay taxes? And all of us wish Jesus answered differently, because Jesus said yes. And I see people say, Christian, shouldn't pay taxes. And I'm like, yo, you just like, what, you just skipped the verse? Like, I see it a lot. I have a friend that's really adamant, Christian, shouldn't pay taxes. And I'm like, yo, Jesus said do it. Like, I don't get it. He was very black and white. That's not important. Uh, and so Jesus, how he proves it, because they're trying to trap him. Yeah, tell all these people that they need to pay Rome, that is misusing them, abusing them, and taking advantage of them. D- tell them they have to have a heart for their nation, even though their nation has no heart for them. Tell them. And he does. He says, let me see the coin. Whose image is on this? They say Caesar's. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. What's the implication of that? What do I give to God? Whose image is on you? That's what the point of that verse was, by the way. And we miss it. The point wasn't the money. The point was the image. And who's wearing the image of God? Us. And so when he says give God to what is God, What is he saying, give all of yourself to your God. Why do you care about taxes? Care about your God. Why do you care about how you're being mistreated? Care about your God and he'll show up and handle the situation. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, for my people. So I give my all to him. I go under the shadow of his wings and because I'm beloved, he'll handle that situation for me. Amen? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to George Washington what is George Washington's. Give to Lincoln what is Lincoln's. But they're dead. Yeah, but the government's still in place. Give to the president what is the president's. Give to the government what's the government's. Who cares? Love your God. He'll take care of you. Amen. We had two other words to talk about. I got excited. Right? The second word uh, for beloved that is also in Song of Solomon. Yo, I'm just not good with this. It's like Dod. like it's almost like it's wanting to say dude, dodd, and it's D-O-D-H, dodd, <laughs> and I'm just not, like my wife always laughs at me because she'll teach me a Russian word and I'll butcher it, you know, <laughs> and I'm not going to practice it in front of you guys, there's no way, um, but like I'll, I'll, I'll often make them into like words like broccoli, Say the Russian word. Broccoli. You're killing the sermon. All right, I trusted her. This way. what I get. Um, <laughs> uh, anyone who wants marriage counseling, I need it. So, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> No, she says a word. She'll yell at me and be like, blah, or whatever. And I'm like, did you just say broccoli? Like, and that's like, I'm not even joking. That's what I heard. And like, she used to tell me this Russian word, it means, wait a second, it's shoss. And that word offends me because I think she's saying Shh, shush. And I'm like, okay, for one, you don't shush me, I'm 25. Like, we're not... That's just not how this works. Like, that's not our marriage. Like, that's just not how things going to be. And she goes, no, it means wait a second. And apparently it's polite. And I'm like, it's not polite. Don't say that. Every time, like, something just goes off of me. I'm just like, oh. Right, so I suck with speaking words. That's the point. Um, I barely do English well. You heard the whole high, low maintenance thing. You were all there. I barely speak English well. Um, so there's no way I'm going to dive into Russian and Hebrew and Greek for all y'all. Just go read the word. Dod. Um, <laughs> God. Um, Probably not. But that's a word that means intimacy. And again, if we go back to the Greek entirety Bibles, uh, one of those major four words for love is also translated there for beloved, and that's phileo. And that is a relational, oftentimes sexual. It's a word for beloved that implies intimacy. But in the context of you are beloved of God, what it's saying is that God wants to be vulnerable with you, and it says favored and chosen, right? Because the concept of phileo is literally specifically, it's not even meant to be used when two people who aren't married are sleeping together. It's specifically for the intimacy between a husband and a wife. And so it's saying that the word implies that I chose you that I favor you above all else. You hear the common saying, when I said yes to my wife, I said no to everyone else. That's the implication of the word phileo. And so when God is saying that he chose you and you're a beloved, he's not just saying, hey, I love you and I love everyone else. He's saying, no, I love Zach. And I love John. All of you Johns in the room. See how I covered like half the room just by saying that. (laughs) And I love Jim. And I do too. But but it's a specific kind of love. It's a, look me in the eyes. In the Bible, there's a phrase you'll see a lot. It says that God sees his people as the apple of his eye. And if you go into the actual meaning in Hebrew, it actually says the maiden of his whites. And what we mean by that is he wants to be so close to you that he could see himself in the reflection of your eyes. And that's what that word phileo implies that you are beloved, that God wants to be close. Again, is that not screaming the gospel? It's not the Old Testament that we have to go and do certain things for God to be there. But he says, No, you're beloved, and I want to be present, and I want to be intimate, and I want to dwell with you, and I want to choose you by name, and I want to call you unto a mighty call, phileo, between you and God. It's awesome. And then the last one, we go into the New Testament. And if I can be just brutally honest, I forgot the word. But I know what it translates to. And what that word basically translates to is, so just write New Testament, beloved. Um, it's affection found only in the commu sorry, it's affection begotten in the community of Christ. That's what that word translates to. And it means three things. One is beauty, one is unity, and one is endearment. Beauty, unity, and endearment. Do you know that when God looks at you, he sees you as beautiful, even though you're broken? Do you know that even when you feel distant from God, he calls you into unity with him and closeness with him? Do you know that when God sees you, you're endearing to him? You may annoy everyone else, but God thinks it's cute. Right? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm being kind of goofy. Um, but that's the point is like God, God enjoys. And when I say these phrases like enjoys and longs for, I'm not saying that God is incomplete without you. Because the whole f- appeal to God is that he is complete. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't have desires that will overtake him and own him. But it doesn't mean that there still are desires of God's heart. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Right, So there are things that break the heart of God, and there are things that God longs for, and there are things that God loves. And I've heard, there's a big debate on the internet for that song, um, What a Beautiful Name. And the second verse of that song, it says, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. And there's a group of Christians, like, boycotting the song, and they're saying, God doesn't want anything. That part of the song is wrong, and it doesn't mean he wants us and he's, he's less than if he doesn't get. It just means God desires his people with him. Listen, here's something important for you guys to know about yourself. You know David wrote that God delights in the death of his saints? That is not an encouraging verse unless you understand it right. Why does he delight in the death of the saints? Because then you get to be with him, free of pain, free of brokenness, free of judgment, just welcome and in love and in his presence. God desires you to be with him. He enjoys when you finally pass from that life to the next. God enjoys it because there is a completion in you that was never found until you walked past that threshold. So if God really desires us on that level, then why does he let us continue to live? Because he loves them too. And he wants us to go. And he wants us to preach the truth. And he wants us to show his love because we are beloved, but so is anyone else. And they all have an opportunity to come unto him. And God has called and his blood has been shed for the world because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave, he gave, he gave, he wants them, he desires them. And when you feel like you're not worthy of your call, like John, recognize that you're beloved and the prospect of beloved is it doesn't change just because you had a bad day, week, month, year. Decade. Amen? Even you, John Haas. God loves you, too. I wasn't saying that because he was doing something wrong. I just love him. And all of you. (laughs) Right? And so I want to take us back, and I want us to think about these three beloveds. A beloved that longs for and breathes for. A beloved that desires intimacy and closeness and favor and chooses... And the belovedness found in community. Because when God died, he gave us a body to be a part of. And we're together. We are the body of Christ. And so there cannot be belovedness. And God doesn't find total joy in our belovedness until we come together. And God loves that. It's endearing to him. It's why he chooses to come into the places of worship. Because he loves when we come together and we worship. And so we go to John... And John is in a situation that I think many of us find ourselves in. He's doubting his call because of the size of it. Right? No, I don't deserve to baptize you. And <laughs> Y'all, this is a weird thing to talk about, but he did because Jesus said so. You know, there's a ton of verses in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus. You know, there's also t- t- verses in the Old Testament about the coming of John. Do you know God spoke about John's coming in advance? That God always intended for John the Baptist to come and baptize his son? That's a crazy call. And if that's all I did for the rest of my life, like that's not a bad gig, <laughs> you know? Um, but but he, doesn't, he doesn't see his call for what he, it is. He's intimidated by it. And truly, if I can be honest, I believe he doesn't recognize just how beloved and loved he is. Because, again, he doesn't feel worthy and I think there is good doctrine in the reason why he doesn't feel worthy because you're God right but how can you know that some people apply some of the best doctrine in the world to do some of the worst things you know how many Christians I know that believe we are chose by God before we were born and you know that is a biblical truth sorry you know how many people use that truth to not evangelize Right? And so we use the truth of God to not walk in the truth of God. And we use our great doctrine as an excuse to create bad doctrine. And so we know that God hates sin. And so when we sin, we feel like God hates us. And we took a good doctrine and we applied it wrong and we caused a distance between us and God and John does not feel worthy. And man, I have been there. I feel like these past few months I've stayed there. And God keeps showing up. And he keeps using me. And he keeps appearing to me. And he keeps coming and standing with me. And he keeps loving me. Just like he did for John. And then John allowed God. And Jesus didn't mention that. He's like, I'm going to let you slide on that. I'm working on him. (laughs) Right? And he goes under the water. And he comes up. And God says that you are beloved. And something in John changes. And he recognizes that he's beloved as well. And how do I know that? Because if we go to the Bible, and we see later when Jesus is baptizing people, well, Jesus' disciples are baptizing people. It specifically says, and Jesus was not baptizing people, right? That's where Paul gets it from. Um, And so Jesus' disciples are baptizing people. And we we see a couple of John's disciples come up and say, hey, and here's a pride check for John. Hey, the guy whose ministry you started, all the people are going to him. And John didn't care. I want you to think about this. John went into the wilderness and preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus walks into the wilderness and gets baptized by John. Now keep in mind, John may have knew that he was God, but it's also his cousin, and comparison's a thing. And, and, and when Jesus gets up from the water, it, the Bible says from that point on, Jesus preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus jacked John's ministry, which is good times, unless you're John. And, <laughs> John's like, yes, of course. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> dang it. Moment gone. Um, and they're saying, John. And what does John say? It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. He must increase so I can decrease. When you recognize your beloved, the bride leaves. The desire to run things leaves. And what's John's real heart for? You see what he does? He sends his disciples to Jesus. And a couple of them become one of Jesus' 12. Man. So G- when John recognized the love Jesus had for him, because God loved me so much, he let me baptize him. Like, just that, that's something none of us can understand. And so he starts to look at Jesus and love him on a deeper level, in a deeper way. And what does he use with that? He does with that is he takes his people, and he loves them more than himself. And he goes, go. Because my ministry will never be his level. And he needs people to back him up. He doesn't need, but let's face it. Go and be greater. Then later when John's going to doubt himself and when John's in a prison and when John's falling apart and, and John writes a letter to Jesus and he says, are you who we're looking for? And I've been there too in your prison, in your storm, in your struggle and you're doubting God. And what does God do? He starts saying how great John is. There are none greater than him. He is who you were looking for. They come to John and say, are you the one crying out in the wilderness? He says, no. And later Jesus says, yes, he was. And so John was faithful to his ministry, even though he didn't totally understand it. And he was faithful to his calling before God, even though he doubted himself. And the proof is the fact that when Jesus looked at the end of his life and at the end of his ministry, he said there are none greater and none more faithful than John. A moment of doubt doesn't define you. Embrace who you are in God, beloved, chosen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I was supposed to read it a long time ago, and I totally forgot. But it's still practical for this moment. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and... There's the Bible saying you're beloved too. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness and long suffering. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Say it. Say it again. Say it again. I'm serious. Gotta get into our heads because we love these kind of messages. We get so excited and we cry and we have our moment with God and we say, yes, I'm beloved. And then the storm hits and we forget all over again. We have to cling tight to our God. Identity doesn't change because of circumstance. I'm still Wesley in a storm. And I'm still a child of God when everything's falling apart. I know people with identity issues. They have a new job every week. They have a new idea, a new goal for their life every week. They can't sit. They can't plant. They're afraid to get overlooked. They're afraid to not be noticed. And many of us have fallen into that trap many times. It's a lack of identity because when I know who I am, I'm not bothered by who I'm not. And so Jesus goes under the water. And the dove comes and the the sky parts. And God says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And that moment's for us as well. Because how many of you know the point of the cross was that Jesus took my cross so I could take his beauty? So Jesus put on my shame so that I could live like him. See, it's not fair because Jesus lived the life I couldn't live and then died the death I was supposed to die and then handed me the life that he lived. And many of us don't actually know that this is all over the Bible. It's an example I use a lot, but I love it so much. Have you ever seen Jonathan and David? And everyone knows David, he slayed Goliath, but he wasn't a king he was a shepherd and he may have been anointed but the king was still there saying no you're not taking my spot and David walks in and the Bible says Jonathan who was the son of the king looks to David and says I love you just great introduction and he takes the clothes of David he takes his shepherd clothes that smell like sheep that haven't been washed that's dirty that's tarnished that's brown that's mucky and he puts it on and he takes David and he puts on the clothes of a prince. And that's the gospel. Because think about it. What did the people think as they walked out? Why is that shepherd wearing the prince's clothes? And why is the prince dressed like a shepherd? Because Jonathan was going to give his place to those who he called beloved, whom he loved, Bible says that Jonathan and David were friends that were closer to a brother and their souls were knit together in friendship and he saw David as greater than himself and he loved David and so he gave David the life that was meant for him and he took David's life as someone behind the scenes who didn't have rights and he would tell David I will not be the king you will be the king and the gospel's being preached and what do we do what happens when David finally becomes king but Jonathan's dead what's the first thing David does he rises and says find the generations below Jonathan and bring them to my table because when you fall in love with a God who gave everything to you your goal would be to go out and find the wayward broken people and bring them to you. This kind of love sends us out and it causes us to love others. Jacob, have you heard of Jacob? He's the, the he represents the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He dreamt, he had great dreams, and he had a son who dreamt even bigger named Joseph. And then Joseph goes and he takes Egypt, second in command, and he brings his sons before Jacob. And he says, Dad, bless my oldest son in the Old Testament the right hand is a representation of the full blessing of God and the left hand is a consolation prize and as he's putting his right hand upon the oldest and his left hand above the youngest it says he crossed his arms and he put his right hand of blessing upon the younger unworthy son and he put the left hand of the onto the older son who deserved everything and Joseph says no dad he says your vision's going bad and Joseph, and Jacob says I know what I'm doing and how many of you guys have felt that when God called you and when God chose you and when God said you were going to do something greater you felt like no God I don't deserve this no God I can't go into your presence no or you just become complacent and stop thinking about him no God your vision's wrong I can't do this And he would say, I know what I'm doing. And on that day on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried it out so we would never have to. And the right hand of blessing closed down on us. And the left hand of wrath crushed his son. The Bible says it pleased him to crush his son. The gospel's all over the Bible. And the last one, and my personal favorite... Did the timer just end uh, sorry and the last one is Abraham and Isaac and we all know the story and God says to Abraham kill your son And we read that and we say that's not fair how could a loving God do that and he takes up and as he's taking Isaac up his servants say hey where's your sacrifice and he says God will provide a lamb and he goes up on the hill and he lays his son on a stone tablet ties him and bounds him and he brings his sword down to kill his son and he says that for he believed that God would resurrect his only son and the angel of the Lord who if we're reading the Bible we know that's Jesus he comes into the situation and he stops Abraham and he says no 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 and what does he say he says not this son not today If you go into your Bibles and you look at your map section and you look in the maps where Abraham was, it was the hill of Calvary. He was on the same hill with his son and as he brought his knife down to slay him God said not this son not today why because a greater son was coming later Abraham they find a ram in the thickets and he sacrificed the lamb but what did Abraham say there's a lamb he's gonna provide and 2,000 4,000 years later the son of God walks up the same hill that he demanded Isaac kill his son and he sacrificed his son and we look to Isaac and we look to Abraham and we say God That's not fair. I've seen so many people go to their Bibles and I've seen people who are trying to discount Christianity and they say, Well, if God's so loving, why would He do that? Do you think it's unfair that He'd make Him sacrifice His son? Do you think it's not right that He would make Isaac die for nothing? Do you think it's unloving? to make him give up his son you do then you understand the point of Calvary it was unfair that God sacrificed his son it was unfair that God had to go without his greatest love and desire as we say he bankrupt heaven when he sent Jesus down God doesn't want to be separate and Jesus is at the Garden of Gethsemane crying and saying God can we not do this he says no we have to I know they've always said it's unfair and it is and we reap all the benefits from how unfair it was and so read through the story of Abraham and Isaac and think about how unfair it is and how unright it is and how dare God and recognize that's the point it's not fair but you're beloved and you have value and so God sent his son and he didn't make another man sacrifice his because how many kings stepped down from their throne and how many lords have abandoned their own homes (laughs) and how many greats have become the least for me and how many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that is torn all apart there's a song I really love and the writer of the song said uh, he's talking about Jesus on the cross and he says you didn't just die for sin you died covered in him a prideful lying thief gasping out my final breath and he wasn't saying that God was a sinner and he wasn't saying that Jesus was a thief he was saying everything I deserved you did and when you breathe that breath because agape because beloved because means to breathe for and so God breathed out that last breath so I wouldn't have to because I'm beloved and when we see God from that light, I think many people have a uh, struggle, and it's right here. We recognize we're beloved and then we have a hard time loving others. It's because there's a middle step. When I recognize how loved I am by God, I have to look back and fall in love back. And, and when I w- I was bound. I was trapped. And I didn't deserve any type of freedom. I know my past, and I know my history, and I understand God now more than ever. Still not that much, but now more than ever, and I recognize more and more how unworthy and how undeserving I was, and yet Beloved would say I was wrong, and yet he would call me Beloved and say that I was wrong. And and as I fell to my knees and I wept, and I found my God, I I didn't get up and try to take over the world. I got up and looked back, and I began to fall in love back. And, and when I first found God my first year, I didn't sleep. And I don't mean that in a comparative way, but I had insomnia. I couldn't sleep more than a few hours a night. I was depressed. I was unhappy. And so I poured those hours into my Bible. And I poured that time into getting to know God because I, I didn't feel like I deserved his love, but I had it anyway. And so I didn't want to hurt him and I didn't want to disappoint him because I still didn't understand. And I could understand that I couldn't disappoint him. And so I studied, and I went, and I got to know him. And when I fell in love with him, I was still a wreck, and and no one would run a kid's ministry because there was like five kids in it that no one wanted. And then the leaders of the church I was at walked up to me, and these are word for word what they said. They said, if you don't do something with these kids, we're giving up on them. Word for word, I'm not exaggerating. And so I took a room, it was called E2, and there was like fifth graders. <laughs> and there was like five little fifth graders in there at first. And I didn't pray that God would blow the ministry up. I prayed for the five of them because I recognized how loved I was and how broken I was. And, and I looked at these kids, and I was never called the kids' ministry. It wasn't my heart. But that's not how God works. The Bible doesn't have kids ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry. It has ministry, and the ministry is people. And so God said, can you love these five? And so I would go before God every week, and I would get on my knees, and and when people would all be hanging out and interacting in the lobby and talking, getting annoyed noise, that I'd come hours early and lock the door to the room. I was going to teach the kids, and I'd play worship, and I'd get on my face, and I would cry for them for two to three hours oftentimes. And you know what happened to that ministry? It blew up. And they put me over a bigger one, and they asked me to run a bigger room, and that continued to get bigger and better. And I'm not saying this to brag on myself. The point of it is I fell in love with God and so I looked to his people and I said, what can I do to bless them like I've been blessed? I saw them as beloved because I saw myself as beloved. I saw them as beloved because I saw Jesus as beloved and I saw Jesus as beloved because he saw me as beloved first. And he taught me who I was, and I fell in love in return. The precursor to being a child of God is to love God. He's your dad. The precursor to being a bride of Christ is to be loved by a groom. And if we can get the band up here, and if we can just, like, turn on the AC... I'm not I don't care if it's got to go to 65 uh, on both the front sides um, because at homie don't play that I'm done with being this hot um, but like I said I think many of us on this track we either suffer from not recognizing we're loved or we suffer from not truly loving God back or we suffer from then not loving his people. And all of us probably have an area of weakness in at least one of those three, but all of those are the definition of beloved. Guys, phileo is to people, agape is my worth. So phileo is to me personally, I'm favored by God. Why am I favored by God? Because agape, because he chose me. So what do I do with that? I love the community and that's all three beloveds. That's the process. I find my worth in God and I find his worth in return because Paul would say the beloved Jesus. And then I love people. Go in the Bible and blow your mind and see how many times John and how many times Paul would say the word beloved brethren. Oh, you beloved of God. Because it's such a strong theology in the Bible. And it is the precursor to our identity in Christ.